just have to see how it goes. So Matthew 4, verse 12. And not everything, I'm not going to do a commentary on every verse. I might read them, but I won't be doing a commentary. I will be picking out certain things that are in those verses. Okay. Chapter 4, verse 12. It's easier for me to put them there because you can see them and I haven't got to have a little bit of paper, have I? Between the leaves of my Bible. Now, when Jesus heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, in the border of borders of Zebulon and Nephthalim. Of course, you might have Nephtali in yours, which is another name for it. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, or nations to be more correct, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the sh region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or more accurately is drawn nigh so it's here the kingdom of heaven is here it's right nigh next to you that's what Jesus started to preach and that was the first, first thing he preached and you might have wondered and I must be honest with you as they say in Wales I must be honest I'd never really put these two things together as I have over the last few days when I've been seeking the Lord what shall I say Lord Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is drawn nigh that's why Jesus said repent he's not being a bully telling everyone to repent for the sake why well this is why you can change that word for and put the word because as it means exactly the same he began to preach and to say repent because this is a reason we need to repent can you see that because the kingdom of heaven has drawn nigh now you might ask well where is this kingdom of heaven well 
Jesus. It was in Jesus. Jesus was in it. This whole world lies in the wicked one, as we read in John's epistle, his first epistle. The whole system of the world lies in the wicked one. We read there light has sprung up in verse 15-16 light has sprung up suddenly light has arisen that's what it means arisen light has arisen in this place here in the land of Zebulon and the land of Nephalim it's a mouthful isn't it Nephalim by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now, you would have thought he'd gone straight away to Jerusalem, wouldn't you, to preach, to where the Jews are. Because he'd been sent to the nation of Israel. In fact, he says that to the lady who wanted her daughter healed from a demon. He said, I've not come except to the, the children, the people of Israel. But now he's in the land of the Gentiles. And the people which sat in darkness, they saw a great light. That word great, there, if you heard, you know the word um, mega, no doubt. You know what mega means, don't you? Mega means big, really big. It's real mega man. <laughs> That's the Greek word there, megas. It's a great light. It's not a little torch or a candle. It's a great light. Has sprung up. Those are in the region in the shadow of death. Light has sprung up, has arisen. That was Jesus. See, these were in the region and the shadow in darkness. It says there in verse 16. The people which sat in darkness. He's come to the people who are in darkness. Jesus has come to the people who are in the region and the shadow of death. That's where he went. That's where they were. It was prophetic. It had already been prophesied by Isaiah. And you can look up the reference if you want to, if you've got a reference Bible, or go on the internet. So this is why Jesus said, repent. Because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come unto you. Nigh. Right here now. See, you've been sitting in darkness. You've been in the region and the shadow of death. The grave, people dying. You understand what I'm saying? dear brother Alan died a few days ago but he's gone to glory because he knew this light he knew the light of the world I am the light of the world he that follows me shall not walk in darkness Jesus said he's the light and he's come where there's darkness and where in the region 
of the shadow of death. Light has sprung up. So that's why he said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Because light had come now. Now here's the light. You need to repent. Because the light has come. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of heaven as we read here. So in the midst of all the world's darkness, in the midst of all the world's graves, death, cemeteries, bereavements, in the midst of it all, Jesus said, repent. The kingdom of heaven has come. He'd come from heaven. In fact, if you read in John chapter 3, he says, sorry, chapter 8. You can read it there. He's come from above, from heaven. So, that's that one. Let's go on to chapter 6. I don't know how much I'll get through this. I might have to do it over two weeks. You will forgive me, won't you, if I do that. So, chapter 22 now we have chapter 6, verse 22, sorry. Chapter 6, verse 22. Of course, it's up there, so there's no excuse if I get it wrong. Chapter 6, verse 22. And now we've got light again. We've got the word light. The light of the body is the eye. Okay? Better translated. I don't know if you've got lamp of you there. Well, it's not actually true. It's, it's more accurate light, in fact. Light is a better translation. The light of the body is the eye. So, where does all your light come in to you? Through your eye. So, why is Jesus saying that? The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, clear and mixed. Single is a perfect translation. Unmixed. Clear. So there's no mixture in it. So you haven't got a bit of this, a bit of that. It just all you're seeing is light. Okay? Single. You're not got your eye on something you shouldn't have. He said, if your eye be single or unmixed or clear, your whole body shall be full of light. Now, <coughs> you know, I don't think he's talking about just the physical eye because we're not just physical. We are also spiritual beings and we have a soul. We'll go on. Your whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil, okay, if it's evil, that is if it's malicious or wicked. So if you look at things in a wicked way, you understand what I mean? Oh, look at her down there. I don't like her curtains. Do you like her new curtains? Uh, horrible, isn't they? I've got better curtains than she has. I'm just giving a, a simple example. That's a bit malicious, isn't it? Is that malicious thing to say about the ladies? Well, that's what the word means. It's evil. 
it's uh, it's wicked. You say, oh, look at him. Get out of person. I don't like him. You know, oh, I don't like that Mr. So-and-so next door. Or his wife. That's malicious, isn't it? So if you're looking at people in that way, that's evil. That's wicked. It says if you like that, your whole body will be full of darkness. Ah. And you wonder why some people get darker and darker and darker in their personality because the way that they're looking at life. The way they're looking at the circumstances. Moaning and grumbling about God. Why have God put me in this situation? And they're malicious towards God. Blaming God. That's evil. That's wicked. That's malicious. And if you like that, then your whole soul, it says body, your whole person, all that you are, will be full of darkness. And this, he says, is quite an extraordinary statement, and maybe I'll try and explain it to you if I can. If, therefore, the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So if you think that you've got light, and it's not the true light, it's a false light, it's a darkness, that's even worse. It's deception. You think, I've got light. But if it's darkness, how great. You think, you know, I, 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 I'm a philosopher. I've studied this, I've studied that. I'm never going to get through all this, am I? I've studied this and I've studied that. Yeah, I've got some light, you know. Renaissance, you know, I love these paintings. Are, you know, very enlightening and reading these books, you know. No, it's darkness. It's darkness because you haven't got the true light. True light is Jesus. He's the one that's risen up in the darkness. He's the one that's arisen, those in the shadow of death, you see? He's the true light. And that's why he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come. It's all linked with light. So you think, oh, I got this, I got that, I, I'm enlightened. You know, talk about the age of enlightenment. That's darkness, because if you don't have the... How great is the darkness when you think you've got light? It's greater than having a malicious eye. Do you think I'm okay? You see, you deceived yourself. And that's what the devil has come to do. So we've got all these things, and you know right at the beginning, all these things were developed by fallen man. And you might... Not saying it's to shock you or to get you, get you back up, but a musical instruments, etc., were created by certain people who had fallen because they wanted something to replace God. And a God, God took them and sanctified them. I'm not saying we shouldn't use instruments. And they were used in the temple for worship. 
But at the beginning, man started creating all these things to, so he could survive, because he'd lost fellowship with God. So he had to create something. And, th they th and as the ages have gone on, we think we've become very enlightened. We've got science, we've got all this. We think we're enlightened. No, you're not. If, if that light is not the light who is Jesus Christ, it's darkness to you. Hope that makes sense to you. Now, I'm not saying you can't have both. There's some wonderful Christians who are scientists. I knew one personally. He's now with the Lord. Arthur Jones, lovely brother. I was out in, with him in India for a while. Went to one of his lectures in Delhi. Lovely man of God he was. Still is. So it's not wrong. But he had the true light as well. Made everything, and then he understood it all. Ah. Now I really understand. Okay. So I'm going, I don't intend to say any of that, as you don't when you're preaching. So, no man can serve two ma Moving on now, okay. No man can serve two masters. Serve them, that is, a, a, as, as a... As a bond servant <coughs> for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other so you can't have so you've got you're the butler in the house right I'm never going to get through this so I can see it now you're the butler you, or you're the maid whatever and you're in a big house right they got Rolls Royces and a big swimming pool on the back. You know what it's like and have all these dinner parties, etc. You've been there. Maybe you haven't been there, but you know what I'm thinking about. And the missus, the lady of the house, Mrs. Bucket, she calls you and says, Charles, yes, my lady, I want you to go and clean the rolls, please, before lunch, because we're going out this afternoon. Okay, me lady, so you're out there, you're cleaning the Rolls Royce. And then the man of the house comes in his hunting gear, he just got off, come out the stable, and he got off his high horse, if you know what I mean. He's come in and he says, Oh, you, come on, Charles, what are you doing there? Come and clean my guns. Just been out shooting. You say, oh, Hang on, hang on, hang on, master, I, I got. You come and clean these guns, never mind about that. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. You see? You can't serve two masters. I'm giving you a parable there. Somewhere I've got a pair of glasses. There they are. A parable. And so is Jesus. Because you, you, you love the one and you hate the other. You might love the lady of the house. I guess I would in that situation because I'd rather clean a Rolls Royce than someone's old gun. But anyway, he says, oh, you, you hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and riches. Does yours say riches? Oh. That's a modern translation. Hmm. Riches. Mammon means riches. 
So, you can't do that. So, so either you serve God or you serve in riches. So when it says riches, or mammon you might have in, in your translation, it means the riches of the world. Okay, the opulence. You know, so I'm, I'm going to serve the devil. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bow down to him. And, and, and I, you know, came to Jesus and said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and all, all the wealth of it can be yours if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus rebuked him and said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Oh, Jesus was making himself God there, wasn't he? Because he was. And that's what he's saying here. You can't be the slave to riches, to this world, to the goods of this world, you know, big houses, big cars, the riches, the things that this world's got to offer. You can't serve them and serve God. Okay? Therefore, and because of that, I say to you, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life or the soul, psyche here is the word, more value I'm adding that word so you can understand when it, what he's saying. Is not the life more value than food? You might have meat, food, and the body than raiment. So your life is more important than what you eat and what you put on, isn't it? Yeah? Don't you think so? Or do you think, if you think your food's more important than your soul? Of course not. But, you know... We acknowledge these things and we say, of course not. But we don't live like that. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't take any thought. Your life is far more important than what you eat. And what you put on. Like a waistcoat. Or a nice pair of suede shoes. What say I didn't have any shoes to wear? at all, like many people in the world, and I've met them, children with no, sh and you have, no shoes, sometimes even no clothes, I've met them as well in Nepal, yep, no clothes to wear at all, very little food to eat, but what's more important to them, their life. That's why it's a dreadful thing to lose your life. Jesus said if you don't lose your life, unless you lose it for his sake, and then you'll find it. Wow, what is the time? Is that the time already? Can you turn the hand back a bit? And, you that? and then he says, behold, the birds of the air, it says fowls, but okay. We'll go with birds. Behold the birds of the air, for they sow not. We've got lots of them up the back here. 
Trisha spoils them, giving them fat balls and seed. She spends more on the birds than she does on me. They'd sow, neither did they reap, neither did they gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them through Trisha and through others. I mean, it's all out there, isn't it? You go out in the fields, and it's all there. Look, it's God's provided it all for them. The berries, on you know, all the things, your figs that you don't want them to eat, and whatever. God's provided. That's why He made trees, not just for you and me, but for His whole creation. Everything in His creation wasn't for you and me. It was for His creation. So you can't have milk unless you have a cow that eats grass, can you? You see? So God feeds them. Of course, it's all farming now. I mean, I, I, I worked on a farm for a number of years, so yeah, we fed them. But they went out to graze and they ate the grass and they come back. And they had to be milked at a certain time. And I won't talk about that because I loved that time in my life with the, the animals, with the cows. And so, and he says, are you, and that's emphatic, that word you or ye you have in the author, are ye not much better than then? He doesn't mean much better, like you're better looking or more intelligent. Well, you are, I hope, more intelligent, maybe not better looking, but... Um, he means evolve more value to God. That's what he means. How are you not much better than that, more valuable than they are? Which of you, by taking thought, or anxious thought, to be correct, can add one cubit to his height, to his stature we have? Which of you can add, you know, one cubit? An inch, half an inch, centimeter, a millimeter. By taking thought about your life, how much you can't do anything. You can't grow, can you? You can't make yourself better in any way. He says, and why take you thought for raiment, things to wear? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet... I say to you that Solomon, the King Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So you go in the field and you look at a flower. He's not talking about a particular flower. He's talking about flowers. He refers to lilies, but I mean, take any, go anywhere and look at a flower. Look at the beauty of it. Just spend some time looking at the flower. Ten minutes might be a good idea. Study it. Solomon, in all his glory, King Solomon wasn't, wasn't dressed, wasn't arrayed like a flower. A flower is much more glorious in God's eyes. And what did we say? You can't serve God and riches. Look at all the riches that Solomon had. You can read about it in your Old Testament. 
Look at all the riches that Solomon had. Look at all the land and the palaces and everything and all the women he had. Yes, that was his downfall. All that he had, and yet they weren't arrayed. He wasn't all that, and he wasn't arrayed like one of these little lilies. That should boggle your mind. That's so much beauty is in the creation that people miss. Drive by in their fast cars, loving mammon, you see, loving riches. They don't take any notice of God's creation. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, and he's talking about the flower again now, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is in the oven, so wheat, I suppose, barley or rye, whatever, he's clothed the grass, and it's in the field today, and tomorrow it's in the oven. Shall he not clothe you, O you of little faith? Hmm? Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is in the field, sorry, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not m clothe you more, O you of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the nations seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And this is what I want to get to, taking a long time getting there. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of its things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil or the badness thereof. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. So instead of chasing after, I'm not going to cover this, it's going to be for another day. <laughs> so instead of chasing after all the things that the world, that, see, so the Gentiles chase after all these things. In verse 31, 32, well, therefore take no thought saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the nations seek. So, we don't have to go very far, do we? What are people seeking after in this world? I'm going to have a good life. I want to have a prosperous life. I want to be prosperous. I want a nice home. Mum and Dad now on a nice home, a couple of kids, not too many, because that's expensive these days. A couple of kids, a couple of children, sorry. A couple of children. Maybe a car or two, a good job. And that's all we want in life. We'd be happy with that. 
we're not chasing after other things, you know. We don't want to have Rolls Royces and airplanes and boats, you know, sailing around the med every summer and all this sort of thing. Quite content just to have those few things. Well, whether you're seeking whether you seeking after Rolls Royces or boats or aeroplanes or holidays in the Bahamas, maybe that's what you'd like, would you? Well, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. That should be our priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. And he's promised, and this is a promise, and his righteousness, so don't go seeking your own right. I'm right. I'm okay. I'm, I'm a good upstanding citizen. Can you see me? Look at me. I'm good upstanding, aren't I? No. Seek his righteousness, not our own. Seek first. First, 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 first. What's before first? And don't say zero because that means nothing. What's before first? Well, that doesn't exist then, because it's nothing. As I said. So what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? I'm just using this as... Pardon? Pray. Pray. I'm asking what you do, not what you'd like to do. I hope it's true for you, though. I really do. Praise God if it is. Amen to that. May it be so in all our lives, not just yours, Mary. But that's not my point. What my point is, what are you seeking? What are you seeking when you get up? What, what, what do you, you want to please your life? You want to please yourself? You, you, are you seeking after something other than the kingdom of God? When you wake up in the morning. So I wake up. Quarter past seven, for instance. I think, right. Oh, I better get ready now because I'm going out so-and-so with the family. I'm going to meet so-and-so. We're going out for a nice drive. Or we're going out for a meal tonight, so I've got to make sure all my clothes are pressed tidy and, uh, you know, my check if my shoes haven't got any holes in. Now, what, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Are you seeking first? Is, 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 your kingdom, is the kingdom of God your, your priority in your life? Maybe that was a bad example I just gave. Because you can still go out with your friends. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You can still make sure your clothes are tidy and ironed, Tricia. And uh, things like this. You, 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 that's not wrong, is it? But what's, 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 mo and what's motivating you right Deep in your heart, in your soul. What is it that you're seeking? What do you want from life? Is it the kingdom of God that you're seeking? You say, well, where is it? Well, Jesus said, it's, uh, it's here now. They're sitting in darkness. Got the graves all around them, so to speak. I'm speaking metaphorically, 
not metaphysically. At least I hope not. And um, I'm not. I look confused. <laughs> See, they were there. They, they were in the shadow of death. They thought, oh, look, we're going for a party tonight around so-and-so's house. Isn't it going to be great? But they're in the shadow of death. The whole world is in the shadow of death. So no matter what you do, where you go, who you are. And light has sprung up. Called Jesus. And he says, repent from seeking the things of the world. Repent from seeking this, from seeking that for seeking this for yourself repent he said for the kingdom of God is at hand the kingdom of heaven is at hand light has sprung up but oh if you don't repent <coughs> because the kingdom of God is now here and I'm telling you it's here today if you want to enter into it you've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How much time do I have left? I'm completely lost. Is that what time we normally finish? Half past five? No, I haven't touched anything. How far have we got? Just to here, isn't it? Is that all we've read? Two passages of scripture. That's going to have to wait, isn't it? As <coughs> my throat's getting sore already. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we've got to have, that must be the, pro and his righteousness, that should be, you know, and if we do that, he says that all these things will be added unto you. So I know a brother, he might listen to this, so I hope you don't mind, I'm not going to mention his name. <coughs> He's not the only one. He's living in the, in the Far East, just, just say that. He's married. He's in his 20s. So he's got a wife if he's married, isn't he? He's got at least one children, maybe two, and there's another one on the way, so I'm not sure if his two we'll have at the end of this year or three. He went out to this country and it's not like a country here where you can go down the shop and buy a packet of sweets or a pint of milk or a loaf of bread. He's up in the mountains, in the woods. I haven't got any of the things. He hasn't got a telephone coming to his house. I don't even know if he's got electricity. And he is looking to God only. No one is a Christian, obviously. <laughs> no one gives, no one is supporting him with money. But there might be, but he's not asking them to support him with money. Not the people we mentioned earlier. He's gone out, he's been there four years. <coughs> and I say he's not the only one. 
and he's trusting God to provide for him, for his wife, for his children, for all they need. And that, do you know why God's... And he said, we've never needed anything in the four years we've been out here. He said, I've been, been near death's door a few times. That's okay. I don't mind that. But God's provided all that they need because they're seeking first the kingdom of God. I had another brother, he's now with the Lord, Norman. He travelled to India and Nepal and China and Papua New Guinea and down into Brazil. He, he, he was married, several boys. On the day that God called him to go and preach the gospel, God said to him, don't you ask anyone for any money, ever. Don't you go and ask him for money, and don't let people know your needs. Don't tell anyone your needs, and don't broadcast it, don't put it anywhere, so nobody knows what your needs are. Wife? Three or four children, boys. And he went out, preached the gospel in India, Nepal. Usually for six months of the year, he was away. Because God had called him to preach to China. Went to other places. But it doesn't matter. I won't mention it on here. Because the places you shouldn't go into. According to some things. But anyway... God provided for him. God provided for his wife. God provided for their car. God provided for their children, for their education. God provided all their food. God provided his money, wherever he went. And I was with him one day. We were going along in a rickshaw. And this man was in front. You know. What? Right? And I had some money. Well, he, he, he opened his purse. He used to carry loose change. And we're going through this area where uh, people in, in India are known as untouchables. And he was throwing his money out to these people. And I went in to get my money. And he said, no, brother, you'll need that. You keep it. God provided for him all the time. Isn't God wonderful? Why did God provide for him all the time? For his family, for his children, for his expenses, for his food, everything he needed. Because he was seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's what you and I need to do. I'm not saying you should suddenly go off to Vietnam with a suitcase. But what I'm saying is that Jesus said, light has come. Repent, the kingdom of God has come. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's his message to you and me this morning. I don't know when I'm going to preach on the rest of that. Maybe it would have been better if I hadn't put anything on the board. Because this has taken a completely different turn. But we bless God and we thank God. And we're going to pray and then we're going to sing again. We're going to pray to sing whatever it is maybe not father thank you for this 
word this morning that you've brought, Lord, that you've given me to bring. Lord, I pray it's reached our hearts and we acknowledge, Lord, your, your call upon our lives, what our priority should be to seek your kingdom above all other things. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord, to do that, Lord. Put that desire in our hearts. Put that longing, Lord, to, to seek your kingdom and find it. We commit this word then to you, Lord, and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.